0: This is episode 55 of the 200 Churches Podcast.
1: I think when they focus on questions like, is the gospel being taught? Is there, is there a vision for reaching people? Are lives being changed? When they focus on those kinds of things, then they, then they can be freed up to just be who they are. Thank you for listening to the 200 Churches Podcast, where we're focused on pastors of small churches. 200
0: churches, to be exact. Every Wednesday, we release a podcast episode that will lift your spirits, lighten your load, and let you laugh. Today, the guys are joined by Dan Ryland, the pastor's coach. You can find Dan at danryland.com. And now, here are two guys who lead and pastor in a 200 church, the Wright Brothers of Ministry Podcasts, Jeff and Johnny.
2: This is the 200 Churches podcast. I am Johnny Craig. I'm here, as always, in the 200 Churches studio with... I'm Jeff Katie. Jeff, Jeff. It is three degrees... Real temperature here today. Well, it is January, the last
0: week of January. Thankfully, now we're going into oh yeah February. February yeah. It's it not get much, much better. Be- no, yeah. <laughs> not much better. Not much better.
2: But that's all right. It's warm uh, in here in the studio, and we're happy to be here with you today. Uh, it is a special day because we have Dan, the Enforcer, Rylan, Dirty, Dirty Dan
0: Rylan, Dirty Dan Rylan. Absolutely,
2: yeah. yeah, we're excited. He has he has come on. Uh, for 2014 and this is this is our first conversation with him in 2014 am i right it is it is and, it, and if you don't know dan Ryland, dan was
0: kind of a sidekick to john maxwell and if you don't know john maxwell don't worry about it you'll love dan yes if you do know john maxwell Dan was behind everything John was able to accomplish. I mean, that's the truth. Dan came as an intern to John's church and then just stuck with him and uh, moved with him from Skyline Wesleyan in San Diego to Atlanta when he formed the Enjoy Group. Dan was his vice president there for, I think, 10 years and then became the executive
2: pastor at 12 Stone Church. Dan has got a good... Lineage of leadership uh, and encouragement, and so for him to be on our podcast is just a it's a treat. So we are so happy. Uh, before we get started with that, I'm going to self promote a little bit. Jeff, is that okay with you? It, it is, but you know what? Could you just remind because
0: I'm sure we've got some new listeners. We haven't talked about this for a while. What is a 200 church? Ah, again,
2: a 200 church is a church of about 200, okay. give or take. Right, you know A hundred or so. Uh,
0: Oh, were you did you want to expound on that? Oh uh, well, all?
2: I was I think I was done. <laughs> a two hundred church is a small church. If you are a small church pastor, you are the pastor of a two hundred church.
0: So this this term two hundred church, what if I only have fifty people in my church? You're still a two hundred church. I am? You are. Oh, that's exciting. <laughs> well but what if I have two hundred and seventy five? You're a two hundred church. Oh. So it elevates the little guys. <laughs>
2: Brings down and it, it humbles the mighty. That's right.
0: That's right. Yeah. So, 200 church, that's just our, our term for a small church. And the, the way we coined it was we looked at our church. We have about 200 people. Yeah. And we're talking to other churches with about, you know, 200, 200 people. But I was in a church where I had 25 to 35 people every Sunday. So, you know what? I'm a 25 church kind of ah, pastor. Okay. And then I was in a church with about 115 120.
2: 115 church.
0: Well, and then I was in a church with about 600 for a while. Oh,
2: well, Mr. Big Time over so, here.
0: Yeah, so now I'm in a church of 200 and this feels just right.
2: It's like the beds that the little uh, Goldilocks <laughs> the three little, The
0: three bears. There you go. There you Perfect. go. So, well, Johnny, what were you going to say?
2: I was going to say that if you enjoy this podcast, well, we enjoy having you listening. Thank you so much for downloading. If you didn't know, we also blog at 200churches.com. That's the number 200. Uh, and if you like what you hear on this podcast, take like two minutes and rate the podcast on iTunes. Give it like seventeen stars. And then write a review that says something like, These are the funniest men that I've ever heard, and they sound very handsome.
0: They're not gonna do it. I know they're not. They're busy.
2: The people who listen to this podcast have you're busy. lives. You're busy. Maybe you're maybe you're driving in your car right now thinking if I tried to leave a review on iTunes, I would crash. That's no, a terrible that's not idea. Good. You Don't know
0: what? Do that. I listen to a number of podcasts and I'm trying to think. I don't think I've left a review for any of the podcasts. Well, you reap what you to. sow, Jeff. That's right. I I need to get on. Well, see, then I got to get on my laptop. I got to boot it up. Then oh, I got to find man. iTunes. And then sometimes you got to remember your iTunes or your Apple password. Wow! Oh my goodness, this is
2: hard times.
0: I mean, I just like to download it and listen to it. But now, if you're sharper than I am, and you do want to get on iTunes, give us a rating and a review. We would be much obliged.
2: We should start bribing people. If we don't get more ratings soon, we're going to start bribing people. You know what
0: we're going to do? We're going to go right into the content today. Dan Ryland joins us, and we are talking about an article he wrote that contains six words for small churches. Six words for small churches. Here we go.
2: Today we're excited. We have Dan the Enforcer. Ryland back (laughs) on the podcast.
0: This is a little bit intimidating, Dan, you know, to be on with you. Yeah.
1: I I don't know what enforcer means, but now now I'm intimidated by myself. (laughs) Perfect, then. Perfect. We're in good
2: shape.
0: Dan, what you should do is you should make a note to listen to episode 54 of the 200 Churches podcast the last five minutes at least.
2: Yeah. All right. You can skip the rest. That's kind of you you're t- know whatever. You're talked
0: about. <laughs> so Dan, we've got you. Uh, we've got you now. In the first uh, month of the year, and thank you for uh, committing to, to 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 do this trial and experiment with us and hang out with us for for at least one time each month throughout this year. And to start out today, we're going to talk about these two podcast episodes. Actually, they're not podcasts. Slip of the tongue. These two blog articles that you wrote for. The Pastors Coach, this past year, uh, and they're, they're simply called Big Ministry in Small Churches. Do you remember writing those?
1: I sure do. I sure do. Uh, one of the things I love is I actually still write everything that it says I wrote. Well, I was going <laughs> to ask
0: you about that. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, maybe one day I'll be big time and, you know, and have writers, but nope, it's just me and my uh, keyboard. <laughs> Perfect. You,
0: you know, I did hear, though, a rumor that John Maxwell actually writes for you.
1: Yeah, <laughs> is that true? You outsource some to, to old Johnny Boy. Well, you know, I do call him on occasion, but he's a pretty busy guy these days, and yeah. so he um, writes and files, writes and files, writes and files. If that's I am correct, no, it.
0: no, reads and files. Oh, I'm sorry, reads and <laughs> files.
2: I'm sorry.
0: You know, you said something in this first article where you give out six words for small churches. Yes, um, and and you prefaced uh, before you got to these six words you says that the size of your church, you said two things. The size of your church is up to God. And then you you encourage people to work like it's up to you and pray like it's up to God. I just thought those were two great statements.
1: You know, I I think they're critical for uh, both strategic and um, just our understanding of how the Holy Spirit works. I think a lot of pastors can get very frustrated. They work really hard. And they wonder why their church isn't, you know, growing as fast as they would like it to grow. I, I'm deeply convinced that all churches are supposed to grow. All, that God wants all, He intends for all local churches to grow. But as much as I believe that, I also believe that how big your church gets really is up to God. And and so when we can we can get freed up in that and work hard and pray hard. And, and yet yet ultimately trust God for um, the actual size of the church.
0: Yeah, and, and I agree with you. I think those, that's the kind of message we're trying to get out to small church pastors because ultimately it's going to determine how they feel about their church and how they feel about themselves. But you, you have six words for small churches, and the first one you said is uniqueness. And the re, there's a reason you said that there's like only 60 or 90 or 150 people uh, because they have chosen to attend your church over all the other churches in town, and there's a unique uh DNA in every church
1: uh, absolutely I think from from moment one day one every day, the pastor of the local church can remember can focus on the fact that you know i i do he can think I do have. Uh, 62 people coming or 49 or 101 or whatever the number might be and rather than being frustrated with all those who are not there saying all right god help me figure out what makes my church special help me figure out what makes it unique help me understand that and then lean into it for example um uh the, the church you guys lead what 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 do you think makes your church unique the one that you serve in well one of the biggest things is
2: i think that you know the college that we have here in town it's a small christian liberal arts school i mean that bleeds a lot of students into our church uh nine months out of the year and it's a very unique situation to have i mean there's a lot of college towns but specifically to have a christian college i mean a lot of these students come in and they're relatively mature for their age spiritually and uh you know they're excited to get plugged in i think that
1: makes us unique that's a great factor. And I, I think every community, every church, every, every leader has at least something special and unique that, that makes it part, that makes it sort of the secret sauce that draws people to the church. Yeah. You know, this is, I think that we can get bogged down to this idea
2: of, you know, maybe if I did this differently or if I did this like the other church, uh, you know, followed this format, I'd be bigger, I'd be better. Um, but you're really pushing back against that cookie-cutter model um, and saying, no, like, really
1: embrace your weirdness. Let your freak flag fly. <laughs> I really am. I think, you know, the cookie-cutter or the copy the copycat, you know, uh, yeah, we do want to look at the big churches and, and learn principles and learn leadership. But the truth is those churches became who they are because they were unique and they did things differently and their leadership was strong. And so embracing the uniqueness that God brings each church, I think is, is, is great and strong and wise. And it gives freedom rather than work that allows pastors to rather than worry about, you know, what am I doing wrong? They can focus on let's be us and let's be unique. And that makes the church strong. I think, I think when they focus on uh, questions like, is the gospel being taught? Is there, is there a vision for reaching people? Are lives being changed? When they focus on those kinds of things, then they then they can be freed up to just be who they are. And those
0: questions can be answered positively by any size church. Absolutely. Now, Dan, the second word that you give is the word agility. And you're saying that a small church has this has this quality about it? Now you're you're in a large church, so so speak to how how do you view that for small churches that you see that they have agility?
1: Well, first, I, I think that um, like we like was you know the idea a large church is more like an aircraft carrier. It's it's powerful. It can do a lot of good, but it can't move. It can't turn fast. It can't and it can definitely get bogged down in the complexity of operations and mechanics and governance and, and sometimes decision-making can get bogged down. But a small church is more like a speedboat. It's fast. It can turn on a dime. Uh, and that's a powerful feature in a local church. You can make decisions fast to respond to the needs of people in your community. There's just a lot of really cool things you can do. And I think as long as uh, churches that are led by you – know, smaller churches aren't afraid to experiment – um, they can move fast, do really great things, and respond very, very quickly, which is a tremendous asset. And,
0: and how, do you, how do you do that in a large church? I mean, you're part of a large church and, and certainly part of the you know, leadership team on that church. How does a large church do that?
1: Yeah, um, I think there are two or three things here. First, we focus very much on a lean ministry very, very lean, very simplistic approach. We don't do a lot of things. We've discovered over the years that there's a, sometimes a direct correlation between the size of the church being smaller and the list of ministries larger. Hmm. And in most large churches today, the larger the church gets, the fewer things we focus on. Then secondly, um, when we experiment with new things and different things, it has to be strategic and aligned. For example, um, we do very few events and classes and things like that, and anything that we do has to be strategically aligned and connected to, in some way, build up up and enhance small groups. So we can do different things and one-offs and events and unique kinds of things, but if it doesn't pour into, for example, more small groups, we wouldn't do it. The, the third thing is um, we focus on partnerships, not ownership. Uh, I think that's another thing that bogs people, you know, bogs large and small churches down is trying to do your own thing, your own way, particularly out in the community. I think it's much wiser to get connected with organizations and non- nonprofits that are already out in the community and let them own it, let them figure it out and, and we partner with those that we align with and so partnering is a there's a sense of freedom and agility and speed over ownership and so those those three ideas really help us uh mitigate the you know the opposite side the being you know being too big and being slow
2: yeah the, i think those are those also could i mean be great points for small churches um you know you can if you're a small church you're not going to be able to own a whole bunch of ministries but man you could sure enable people to get involved in those ministries so yeah I think that 's very helpful uh, the, the next word that you have for the small church is intimacy and now this is something uh, that we get a lot of positive feedback on at our church, which is a point of pride for us but talk about talk about
1: this point of intimacy What, what do you mean by that well i think I think the number one thing people love about small churches is, is the connection it 's the, fe- the fellowship is that people know people 's names they feel at home, they feel cared for. And um, that's a good thing. I mean, we don't, we don't need to feel bad about that. I, I think, in terms though of leadership, it can be a two edged sword. We got to you got to keep an eye on that, so that intimacy never trumps inviting, but that you have both intimacy and inviting. And What I mean by that is sometimes in the smaller um, churches. People will say they're open to new people and say they're friendly and say they're welcome, but they, they really don't behave like they are. And so if they're genuinely welcoming new people uh, because they have a heart to invite new people, um, I, I think then, um, then int- intimacy becomes the, the good friend and the asset – if intimacy is really about, more about, well, it's we all know each other and we're, and we're connected, but they're not truly welcoming new people, then that asset can turn into, that, that good word can turn into actually something that hurts the church.
0: You know, we experience that in our small group ministry. I mean, I struggle with that because we're trying to get people close and connected, but then once they get close and connected, uh, sometimes it's good to have some fresh blood or sometimes, you, you know, one couple might need to just just step out of the group for some reason. And if you, your only alternative is to start new groups if you can never put people into existing groups. And so that intimacy sometimes is a two-edged sword even in small groups.
1: Yeah, I agree. And, and you know, the notion of having to, you don't have to blow up the entire group and you don't have to split the group in half. I agree with you, uh, Jeff, that you, sometimes just if one couple steps out, and one new couple steps in, that's enough freshness to keep it alive and, and keep the intimacy. It's, the intimacy is still warm, but it's, now it's carrying that uh, vibe of being inviting and welcoming to new people.
0: Your, your next word, Dan, is creativity. And you said that some of the most creative things come from small churches with very modest means. And that reminds me of that, of that old saying that necessity is the mother of invention. So (laughs) talk about creativity in the small church.
1: I I think um, when you, when a small church focuses on what they do have, uh, not what they're without, they can get creative. I think in some ways much more efficient and more effective than even large churches who can fall into a trap of, well, we, there's a, a little bit bigger budget. So, and we're moving really fast and we're under pressure. So sometimes, um, money is traded for creativity and i think actually ministry effectiveness can be lowered because of that and so um i think when i i get to be part of a lot of smaller churches and i watch what they do on a limited budget and mm-hmm. i'm so impressed yeah i mean impressed and um uh and you know when i when i when i talk about uh you know, dreaming and being creative and, and people in the community will – they will they, volunteer for special projects and businesses will give equipment and people will invest money. I, I'm not talking about help for a little underdog church but, but for the innovative uh, kind of church. And the difference between those two, to me, the, the underdog, so to speak, and the innovative, is the, the underdog, it, it, it's more of a handout you know, we're poor and we don't mm-hmm. have anything kind of mm-hmm. government subsidy support thing where the innovative, it's more like an investment. It's like these pastors are, it's almost like venture capital, or we should call it probably eternal eternal capital hmm. for, yeah. for, for vision and action. And there's a huge difference between those two approaches. Dan, the next word you have for small
2: churches is seeds. And, and you talk about you know, leaders need to be sower of
1: seeds. What kind of seeds should we be sowing? And, and what ways would we go about doing that? I, I think there are lots of seeds that we can also um, kind of in groups. Sometimes I think sometimes I think about them in groups. Love and kindness and compassion are certainly one. And sure. Generosity and encouragement is another. But I think one of the great ones that we might miss sometimes is there are seeds from thinking big and thinking unusual. And – um you know, God. God might allow people to raise up several next gen leaders, or send a missionary out, or plant a church, or things that have things that carry momentum, um, seeds that that have a way of extending scope and the reach of the church. Uh, I know you guys are doing some pretty creative, unique sort of seed-casting things. How about what are you doing in your church that's sowing-oriented?
0: Well, you know, Johnny talked earlier about college students. And the truth is, uh, you know, we look at Matthew 28. He and I were just talking about this the other day, where the, the command is to make disciples. And oftentimes we could think that you need a whole horde of, you know, irreligious people uh, to, in order to make disciples. But the truth is, making disciples continues after a person comes to faith in Christ. So we have 1,200 college students here in our community, and we've got uh, about 100 of them that will show up at church on any given Sunday. And so we've got a whole group of college students that we can begin to sow seeds into in, in terms of making them better disciples of Christ. So we don't have a city of a million, you know, where we've got all of these you know, irreligious people to to bring to Christ. But we do have, you know, scores of young college students they are going to spend a couple years here, and then they're going to go all around the country and literally around the world. So as we plant seeds into them, uh, other people will be able to reap that harvest.
1: Yeah, I love that kind of thinking. That's, that is thinking big and thinking uh, expansively. And it also taps back into the uniqueness of your church you were talking about. That's great synergy. Where, where you guys are combining what God has given you. And uh, that's really huge, too, because the gospel, the power of the ministry in your church travels a long way when you invest in young college students. That's, that's really cool.
0: So I would encourage, you know, Pastor, if you're listening to this right now, you know, what kind of seeds uh, is your church able to sow? What, you know, what kind of seeds are you able to sow in your people? And, and then just to get go back to the word creativity, you know get really creative in your community what kind of seeds does your church plant uh, and how are you helping people uh, to become
2: disciples of Christ so Johnny the top of the next word The the sixth word is favor and you know I think that small church pastors can get into this rut where, where we're looking at the Giants and we, our friend Carl Vader's has talked about this he's out in Southern California and he's surrounded by mega churches and he starts to think why do they get all of God's favor? And I'm stuck, <laughs> mired in a small church. So you say that favor is a word that has a lot to do with small churches.
1: What, what's that Abso- about? Absolutely. Uh, you know, sometimes we'll, I'll talk about the difference between mystery and mysterious, you know, because clearly God's favor, it, it, there's a mystery to it. You can't buy it. You can't get it on demand. And mm-hmm. yet it's really not a mystery. It's not mysterious. We 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 understand what it looks like to see God's favor on our church, and I, I think sometimes far more than just numerical or financial blessings and favor, which are probably the more you know common evidence that we would talk about as pastors. I think favor comes in life change and momentum and grace, um, God's you know His His holy presence. I think just fruitful results. There, there's so much of God's favor that that uh, um, maybe isn 't counted like money and you know nickels and noses kind of a thing, but <laughs> his his favor is just there and it 's powerful and it 's strong and i I, I think a, a great thing for pastors to do is to actually sit down and think about what does the evidence of god 's favor look like mm-hmm. in their own church what How can they see his handprint his the divine handprint of God? beside, you know, attendance and finance and those kinds of things, how do they see it? And typically you come back to life change and because without, without God's favor, how does that really happen? I mean, it, it doesn't. And that begins to build faith and build courage and build strength and build momentum one story at a time.
0: Now, Dan, you said that you get into small churches. Um, do you, are you in small churches for training or what, you know, what's the occasion when you're in those churches?
1: Most of the time it would be leadership development, teaching, training kind of thing. Uh, sometimes if I can uh, squeak an hour or so, oftentimes they'll fly in here or something. We'll, we'll talk strategy and leadership. Uh, but I love talking with pastors who lead small churches. I think, I mean, the truth is it's the majority of North American churches, and they're, yeah. doing, a, they're doing a great job. And it's not always an easy job because part of my the reason my heart goes out uh, and I'll give as much time as I can is they're often alone. It's just mm-hmm. you know one guy out there or maybe a you know a one and a half or something, and that that is quite candidly not an easy thing. But they're doing great and they're staying faithful and they're thinking good, and so I, I love to do whatever I can to be helpful.
0: Well, you're doing it right now by being on the podcast with us because. I mean, that's our heart. We know that there are isolated, lonely pastors out in the yep. hinterlands, right? Yep. They, they just don't have the—I mean, you've got—I mean, I've got, I've got a staff of, you know, two more full-time people besides me, and sure. we've got a great group of eight elders. We've got deacons, people in our church. We're a 200 church, but I've got people around me that are encouraging You've got staff to work with, but you're right. Some of these guys are out there. There's no college in their town. And, and some right. of the women you know, that are serving the Lord in these churches. And um, uh, you're, so you're helping us just simply by being on the podcast with us, trying to, t- trying to reach out where neither you nor I can actually go physically, but somebody can be walking down the dirt road with their phone just listening to the podcast. Thank you for doing that.
1: Well, my pleasure, and I, I, uh, I really do hope it encourages and offers practical help to the pastors who listen in.
0: Okay, so, so you'll you promise you'll be back in February? Absolutely. All right. Okay. Thank you very much, Dan.
1: Thanks, Dan. You're
2: welcome. Good, to,
1: good to talk with you guys.
2: That was our conversation with Dan, and man, oh, man, do I love talking to Dan. He's a good guy. He is such a good guy, and again, thank you, Dan, for being on the podcast with us. Uh, such great insights. The six words for a small church. I really appreciated those. Jeff, which word, just pick one now, sticks out to you the most from those six words?
0: You know, I think creativity does. Right. Because, you know, growing up, when I was a kid, we didn't have much money. So you just had to get creative. I got a jackknife from my uncle, and I would go out into the woods behind our house and I was like, "Now I can't think of the character now, but this is like late sixties, early seventies, Johnny, okay wow. yeah, and it was little Jeff with a jackknife. Did you take
2: your model T out?
0: No, there was a rusted one out in the backyard. No, 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 but I, I forget the character, but he was kind of the woodsman, you know, the Daniel guy Boone? out there. and no. eh, wh- Whoever it was back then, but I was that guy, and I was out in the woods, and, and I would I would pull branches, I'd start whittling, and I'd make stuff, and I'd carve things into trees, and I would find my own playtime and figure out how to have fun. That's called creativity. And, you know, the truth is, if you're in a small church and you don't have much that necessity really can be the mother of invention and that lack or that shortage can can really spark creativity so i would say to pastors out there just you know what use that use that necessity to do something with very little as as a as an opportunity for you and some of the leaders in your church even one other leader to just get creative Ask the tough questions and say, How can we do these given that we're maybe behind the eight ball in certain areas? But you know what Dan said? In a large church, sometimes the leaders, they just rely on the budget. Yeah. Oh, we'll we'll just buy excitement. Yeah. We'll get the fog machine and we'll get the special lights and that'll be excitement. But that's not, it doesn't really work that way.
2: Well, even, you know, we did a sermon together a few months ago. And we were desperate for a visual aid, and you know we didn't we don't have a huge budget for set design. We went out and we bought some big, huge moving boxes. Yep, paint, U-Haul. Paint, U-Haul painted them all black, and we built a pyramid on the platform. And you know each box had something different that had to do with the yep. message. But the, anyway, it was over six feet tall. That's you right. You know, and yeah, I think was. That, that was creative, and it only cost I don't know. I don't I think, remember how much it I boxes think 20 were. bucks. 20 bucks. I it was not expensive. Bucks. No. But it was helped. People still talk about those pyramids. We can now, if we talk about the pyramid, people know what we're mean. So the boxes. The boxes, exactly. So creativity. That's it, a great it, word.
0: And you know what was cool? You could do this too. If you're listening, just. You know, you could buy box. What was cool about that was we could pick these boxes up and move them around as we talked about the word on the front of the box. Yeah. And we could put them in different order, set them around the platform. You're right. For... They were just, you know what? They talk about the kid, the little tiny kid who gets a toy for Christmas. They open it up, and they take out this you know, $300 item. They put it on the floor, and then they end up playing with a box. Yes. right. I mean, that's what we were doing. We bought well, yeah. empty boxes <laughs> and used them as props. We
2: turned them into something else. That was yeah. very
0: helpful. That's creativity. What, what was your word? Did you have a word that like, you focused on?
2: I think my word was uniqueness. And when we were talking, I think I said to Dan, you know, these churches, you gotta let your freak flag fly. Ooh, <laughs> <laughs> like you're weird, probably in your church. Your church has some. You're probably a little weird, and instead of hiding from that and and being nervous about that, embrace that. That is what makes you who you are. That's why people like to come. I saw this clip online, and it was a pastor, and uh, he was talking to his people, and he said, "We're gonna do the whole service in." in uh, 60 seconds because the 49ers are on TV. <laughs> and, and he gave this little, you know, he gave this little spiel and everybody was laughing. And uh, he said, here's, you know, the bread and the wine is up here. Come and get it. And then he, he ripped open his shirt with his clerical collar and there was a 49ers jersey on <laughs> And then he walked out. And I'm thinking that guy, just, he knows, you know what I mean? Like he knows his church. He knows what makes them unique and weird and that that will resonate with people.
0: He wasn't from Philly?
2: No, it was 49ers, San Francisco. Oh, of
0: course, the 49ers. Yeah. yeah the other guys, not the <laughs> Eagles.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, I just see that and I'm like, yeah, that's a unique place. And, they, and he's embracing it. And the people loved it. You know, that's, that's what's going on. So I would encourage you, you know, be weird. Embrace that. The, <laughs> we're preaching through minor prophets in our church, so I'm thinking of prophets. It was Ezekiel, right, who was like buck naked walking around. For like a year and a half.
0: Thankfully, we're doing the minor prophets, so we're not going <laughs> to get to Ezekiel. Who well, was, don't you know, do
2: that. But I'm just saying, Ezekiel embraced the weird, and he did. Get, you know, he accomplished God's mission through being unique. So we can do the same thing. Is that where
0: the term "buck naked" came from? <laughs> buck, I don't okay. know. All right, let's not talk about that. Moving right along. Next week. Carl Vaders from Newsmallchurch.com.
2: Wow, oh, we have such good guests on this show. By the
0: way, if you want to connect with Dan, Dan Ryland, that's R-E-I-L-A-N-D. Dan Ryland, I assume you know how to spell Dan. DanRyland.com is his is his personal blog site, and he's also got pastors coached articles there. And uh, we'll, there'll be some links in the uh, in, on the post for this uh, online at 200churches.com. Thank you for listening to the 200 Churches podcast. Have a great week. We hope you've been encouraged and challenged by this episode of the 200 Churches podcast. We'll be back next Wednesday to provide you with more ministry encouragement as you pastor your 200 church.
2: Until then, may God bless you as you lead and love your people.